0: This is where the industry insiders come to play. The download on the download, movers and shakers off the course, and the pros inside the ropes. Welcome to Slice with Brian Bushlack. Presented by TrueSpec Golf. Save 50% on your custom club fitting experience with the promo code SLICE50. Visit TrueSpecGolf.com and click on Book Now. And we open the 22 season as we do every year with a trip to my favorite place on Earth, the Hawaiian Islands, and specifically Maui for the Century Tournament of Champions. And as always, we welcome the man who is synonymous with this event, NBC and Golf Channel's Mark Rolfing, who knows the Kapalua Plantation course, well, better than anybody on the planet. He's also the ambassador for this special place, and that's why he's earned the nickname Mr. Hawaii. Talking about the trade winds, the whales breaching offshore, and, oh yeah, the golf, too, and everything else about this primetime event. Well, Mark, great to have you back with us. We last caught up at the Ryder Cup, and at the time, you know, it felt like January was a ways off, and here we are, going to talk to you about What makes this event so special, particularly this year? But first, I want you to set the scene for us. What's it like to be on location at Kapalua this time of year?
1: Well, there's no place like in the world. You know, when I first came here 40 years ago, uh, I felt like I was on a rock out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And, you know, I couldn't wait to go back to the mainland to visit all my friends. And now they come and see me. (laughs) Uh, And I can stay right here. You know, it's interesting, Brian, when you look at all the stories that have been written this week, uh, when writers are talking to players, they're talking about starting a new year, a new beginning. It's not like, you know, this is a carryover season in a lot of ways. This sort of transcends that. Um, And, you know, there have been some players that have taken some pretty good breaks. Uh, We're seeing equipment changes. We always do this time of year. Uh, But I I just think uh, it's nice to see everybody totally refreshed. And I'll tell you the big difference for me. Uh, When this tournament first moved to Hawaii back in 99, I would say half of the field came out here being really competitive and Sharp and the other half came for a vacation. That's not the case now. Nobody is on vacation this week. Uh, The putting green was jam-packed this morning. I saw players out here as early as last Friday. Uh, that we'll have, you know, a full week of practice rounds. So that's what's really changed about it. This has become one of the most important tournaments on the PGA Tour.
0: Yeah, I mean, they call it a wraparound season, but you look at that break over the holidays, aside from PNC, which was a big deal this year, obviously, with Tiger coming back. And that was great to see, you know, these guys get the break over the holidays and they come to Maui and, and they kick it off and they do take it seriously. And you were asked this question on Golf Channel earlier today. I want to kind of reframe it in terms of this generation of young players who, you know, as you alluded to, have been watching this tournament as they grew up over the years and you know wherever they lived on the west coast the midwest wherever it may be this really was the big kickoff event you've been there for all of it and to me that's what makes it such a big deal these these guys not only grew up watching tiger they grew up watching kapalua
1: yeah they did um you know it's kind of become appointment tv it's not the masters you know it's it's not a major championship or anything like that Then. In a lot of ways, you know, people mark it on their calendars now, you know, it's on prime time uh, on the East Coast and and most of America and um, people really like it. And when I talk to players, especially the younger guys that have watched it all these years, uh, the one thing that I always glean is that, that they say, you know, as great as it looks on TV it's way better when you get here. I can't <laughs> believe I never came here, you know? And and now guys are basically saying there's no way they would ever skip it. Uh, this new generation of players has made it kind of a, a must-accept invite. You know, that wasn't the case a decade ago. There were a lot of guys skipping the tournament. And um, it really has changed. And it's been the younger players uh, that have led the way, the Jordan Spieths, the Justin Thomases. I can't imagine what Dustin Johnson is going through right now sitting home for the first time in 15 years because he didn't get an invite
0: well and i'm glad you brought that up with all due respect to dj and rory and i guess tiger as well uh i want to get your impressions of this field because you know without naming literally everybody but just going down the list here you know, Patrick Cantlay, uh Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, uh, Max Homa is here, I think, for the first time, right? Billy Horschel's back. You've got uh, Brooks Kepka Hideki Matsuyama, the defending Masters champion. Phil Mickelson, his first appearance in over 20 years. Um, John Rahm, number one in the world. Patrick Reed, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. And I skipped over about half a dozen guys with all due respect to those guys. Great golfers as well. But the headliners here, is this the best field you've ever had? It's
1: the best field. I, I would say almost by far, Brian, um, there were 40 qualifiers. 39 of them are here. Uh, Rory's the only one that's that's not. Um, it, it top to bottom. It is a really really good field. Um, you, you named a bunch of guys. You went past uh, Daniel Berger. Uh, <laughs> man, that guy could win out here. Yep. Um, but it's just it's an incredible field, and uh, having Bill changes everything. You know, and people are all saying, "Oh, well, you know." It's, great that he's going to come back and make one more sort of farewell tip the hat you know kind of thing and i'm saying let me tell you this is the best chance phil mickelson has to win a tournament i think maybe in the rest of his career he's only got to beat 39 guys 38 guys uh whatever the number is um you know it's got fairways that are as as wide as maui He can hit it all over the island out here if he wants it demands creativity um I think Phil could definitely win here. But here's the problem. When you look at the field and handicap how great it is, you've got to beat Thomas and Shopley. If you look at those two guys, Dustin Thomas and Dander Shopley, uh, in the last three years here, they've won two of the three, and they have both been in the top five all three years. So the juggernaut to get your hands on this century trophy, really, I think, is to, to beat those guys.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh JT. I want to get to him in a second and ask you some specific questions about him, but you know, back to Mickelson as the headliner, uh coming off of obviously what was a huge year for him, uh winning a major, uh how memorable was that the Ryder Cup were I mean, you were there. I was there. He, he got as many cheers as the guys who were who were playing, right? I mean, and he comes in as this elder statesman, and yet, I mean, he's still winning. He's winning on the senior tour, and I think it's a great point that, you know, with the magic that Phil pulls off around the greens, this is a very winnable tournament, and should be he should be right in the mix.
1: Yeah, I think what's happened is that um, this younger generation has inspired Phil. You know, for a while there... Uh, Phil kind of became the mentor to a number of younger players. I think probably most notably Ricky Fowler. He kind of took Ricky under his wing and, you know, taught him a lot and played a lot of practice rounds with him and a lot of that kind of stuff. But uh, now more and more, Phil is out there playing with these guys and playing practice rounds and playing money games. Uh, You know, uh, I heard a lot about his money games with Xander a year ago in San Diego in the offseason. He couldn't beat Xander. Uh, you know, Xander just picked his pocket clean, they said, and uh, I think a lot of that has motivated Phil. I think these younger guys now have really kind of turned it around, and they're the ones that are sort of mentoring him in some way that to how he can get better still at the age of 51.
0: Well, it's always interesting to see who comes out firing at Kapalua, and you mentioned Justin Thomas. He's won this, what? twice in the past few years here. Um, obviously, he takes this very seriously. What is it about his game uh, that, you know, is so suited to this tournament and this course?
1: I think the first thing is his attitude. You know, we can break down his game and talk about what a tremendous iron player he is, which is a huge attribute here. He's, he's a great pitcher of the golf ball. Uh, but I think more than anything, um it's his attitude. He, he loves this place. Um, he just, he, he really enjoys everything about it. If you think about the playoff two years ago, um, he played that 18th hole three different times in a matter of about an hour uh, and, and ended up winning. Um, and in that hour, playing that hole three times, he topped a shot. He popped one up into the hazard and he snap-hooked one into the penalty area, and he still won the tournament. Those were all on the final hole and in the playoff. Like anybody else w- would have gotten beat doing that, but he has got this attitude, and it's a can-do attitude up there, and um, he, he really is tough on that course.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, John Rom too. You know, he had such a tremendous year last year, but it, it seemed to kind of run out of gas for him really about Ryder cup time. And he dropped out of, you know, the, the European finals and all that. It'll be really interesting to see if he comes back, you know, fully recharged.
1: I think he will, uh, you know, his record at the plantation Course is is mediocre for him. I think he's been in the top 10 every year, but, um, never inside the top five. Uh, I think he played a little too much uh, in a stretch there. Of course, he had the stretch where he got he got the COVID and had all those strange things happening a couple of times and just re- really wild stuff. And I think he maybe tried a little too hard to play a little too much. It was a hectic summer and of course, he become a new dad and there was all kinds of things going on in his life. So I think he needed a break. Um, I, I think everybody needs a break, and, and that's one of the reasons why I like uh, what some of these guys have done in terms of taking an off season for the first time. Patrick Cantley hasn't hardly played at all. Uh, so I, I think it's good. I think you're going to see a, a new and a fresh John Rahman. I wouldn't be surprised to see him right there this week.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Cantley. I'm glad you did. You know, he wins the FedEx Cup Player of the Year. I know there was some controversy about that. Maybe it should have been Rahm, some felt. But nonetheless, he had a heck of a year, too. And, and it's interesting you mentioned that. You know, he took the took the time off. Another guy who's done that and come back quite well, aside from Tiger Woods, would be Brooks Kepka, right? Over the years with some injuries or other things, and then he'll bounce back and, and win a major. How important is it for these guys to take time off with this wraparound season, with the commitments that they have off the course? Uh, I mean, it is a grind. And hey, you know, obviously living the life on the PGA Tour, no complaints. But really, I mean, these guys are in demand. How important is it to get that time off?
1: I think it's, I think it's very important. Uh, I, I would like to almost see a mandated off season, uh, in golf, even if it's only a month or so, that's not going to happen, obviously, where there's opportunity to, to provide playing, uh, chances for guys. somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to sponsor a tournament, but, um, I think the fans need a break too. take a look at the NFL. I mean, my heavens, uh, that off season is what gets everybody lathered up, uh, for yeah. a new season. And, uh, I, I just think as time goes on, we're seeing the game become more and more of a physical game, uh, Brian. And players are getting hurt, and um, they they need a break. And uh, boy, I saw Kepka today and talked to him when he came out and saw him on the putting green. Um, he looks great to me. He looks fresh. He looked ready to go. Really, uh, was in a tremendous mood. And I just I think of just a little time away from it. Um, would do every one of these players some
0: good now you know we ran down a list of i guess headliners and i did i did leave (laughs) daniel berger out and i'm a big daniel berger fan i know you are as well if you had to look at the group of players who aren't the headliners maybe pick three or four that you like as i don't know call them a dark horse or maybe they haven't won here but you know as well suited for the course and maybe the timing's right who who would you put in that mix
1: Well, I don't know how you can call Victor Hovland a dark horse, but, you know, um, people look at him and say, well, his short game's not good enough. Uh, the thing is, uh, you know, the percentage of greens in regulation that are hit at the plantation are some of the highest on the PGA tour because the greens are so big and the fairways are so wide that players are playing out of the fairway most of the time, not the rough. Um, I, I like Hovland. Um, I, I tell you a guy that really nobody's talking about um, that you got to keep your eye on is Patrick Reed. You know, he has one here. Uh, he, he has got just a tremendous short game. He hasn't been driving the ball great uh, for the second part of, of this past year, but you really don't have to out here. Uh, he, his short game is just so phenomenal. I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear some noise out of Patrick Reed and Sam Burns. My heavens. Um, you take a look at that guy and and just say, "Wow, how does this game match up to the playstation course?" It looks to me like it matches up to any kind of a golf course right now. So uh, uh, he's a name too that I would keep your eye on this
0: week. Okay, now for all of us who love Maui, the Hawaiian Islands, we've got the weather app on our phone so i'm constantly checking the weather where you live my friend and i noticed the last few weeks last month every time i check this app now it's not uncommon to see rain in the hawaiian islands right i mean it's a tropical climate but it's been a little more than normal right
1: it has um, you know uh, i've been here almost 40 years and i'm i'm pretty sure that i'm sensing a climate change out here it was a very dry climate uh, when we built the plantation course and that's why all the holes were built the way they they are the long holes go down the hill down the wind down the drain uh and this week you're going to see whatever wind there is i don't think there's going to be much but you're going to see the wind turn and come off the water and out of the south and the course is going to play exactly backwards it's quite soft up there right now which is kind of too bad part of the renovation that we did a couple years ago was to try to get some of the playing characteristics back and firm it up a little bit, but. We had a rain event two weeks ago that was just um, almost catastrophic on certain parts of Maui. Um, You know, the rain comes straight down when there's no wind uh, and it settles into the grass and and just stays there. You know, when the trade winds are blowing and those showers that you're talking about are passing showers, it it just washes right off the land. It doesn't affect it at all. But it's pretty soft up there right now. And what that's going to result in, I think, is low scores. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see somebody go to 24, 25 under this
0: week. And the record is 30, right?
1: Yeah, Ernie L shot 30 out here. Um, You know, now that was a year that it actually played pretty fast. Uh, I remember he had a drive in an 8-iron into the green every day at 15. The par 5 hit the bottom of the hill up there. Uh, But, um, you know, I I just think uh, people are going to be able to play uh, kind of shots at the plantation this week, you wouldn't normally expect. Normally the hole is never the target up here. You've been up here. You know what it's like, um, you know, your target is, is typically somewhere on the corner of a green or maybe the back right of a green and and the pin is front left, but that's where the ball is going to end up if you play it into the back right corner. Uh, it's not going to be the case this week. It's going to be a little more target golf. And um, I think that actually is going to kind of level the playing field a little bit. Um, You can take a look at some players that are coming in hot that wouldn't have a real good feel for the plantation, a guy like maybe uh, Taylor Group's, let's say. Um, You you know, it would be hard for him in a normal year to come out here and and really understand the way that thing plays right away. Uh, But, um, you know, it, it won't take him long to figure it out now.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned all these names. We could do a six-hour podcast just on <laughs> you know, literally who all is in this tournament. And I'm 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 listening to you break this down. I'm thinking, well, gosh, I didn't even mention Colin Morikawa, right? I mean, right. he's there. I mean, and this guy's got a real shot.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, there's a couple kinds of players that seem to win this thing. Um, you know, everybody talks about the long hitters, and certainly Dustin Johnson displayed that. And uh, Al's in his prime, but you, you also can look and see, uh, you know, a Jim Furyk kind of player that has won here, Zach Johnson. Um, the great iron player, it, it, it plays a lot like Augusta National. It doesn't look like Augusta National at all, but, um, you know, you can be a little crooked off the tee here. The, the approach shots are so important. Uh, and these greens have so much slope to them because, the course, is built on the side of a mountain um, that you really have to keep it on the correct side of the hole so you can have a 15 footer if you're on the right side of the hole here the correct side of the hole uh that's a much easier putt than a five or six footer if you get on the wrong side
0: yeah that's a great point and i've been fortunate as you mentioned to play with members at kapalua and it uh, anywhere you play with member makes a difference but especially at kapalua right
1: yeah, especially in Kapalua. You know, there are things that, that um, you typically don't see or, or hear or here. Um, a lot of times, for example, if you're chipping or pitching the ball, you wouldn't want to hit it past the hole. You would want to keep it below the hole. Uh, but in this case, if you keep it below the hole on the plantation course, you've got an uphill into the grain putt. It's a slower putt, a grinding kind of putt. And for the, for the best putters in the world, they are less successful on putts like that than they are on the faster ones that are downhill, down grain. I talked to Tiger about this one day in the early years. I asked him, you know, how, much, how many more putts do you make downhill, down grain than the uphill in the grain? He goes, I make twice as many. I said, well, you should think about leaving yourself a downhill, down grain putt then, you know, if you can when you're chipping or lag putting. Um, the uphill ones that are slower grinding into that grain are so hard to get to the hole. Uh, and, and that's something that you wouldn't normally think of in a situation like this.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great insight. And you obviously know this course better than anybody. I mean, you, you redesigned this with Corin Crenshaw two years ago, that podcast we taped, by the way, uh, hard to believe that was a couple of years ago. That's one of our most popular episodes of all time. And y- you know, The television here, um, the time of year, you mentioned the Masters, you mentioned the Majors. When people think of a tournament, right, and I'm talking not only golf fans, but, you know, not folks outside of golf, the wives, the spouses, the people who who don't, you know, eat and (laughs) breathe this like we do, Uh, you know, this is one that they talk about right? I mean, because you, you've either been to Hawaii, you've you've played the course, you've been to the course, you've just seen it. I mean, from a tourist attraction, purely from a tourism standpoint, I mean, this is like that picture postcard uh, for not only Maui, but the Hawaiian Islands, right?
1: Yeah, so if you take a look at the Masters, which is, the, you know, the most successful golf tournament probably in the world, and the one that generates the highest viewing audience every year, you know, why, why Augusta National? And, and why uh, does that happen? Well, they get a great field. Um, and and more than anything, I think people are familiar with the place. They love the familiarity of Augusta National. They like the explosiveness. They like the birdies. They didn't like it, you know, when the course got harder, uh, you know, it quieted down out there. And so that they like it uh, when they're familiar with it. And I think in a lot of ways, people have become familiar with Kapalua. And when they turn it on, they know Mark Rolfing is going to talk about the whales. And the Kona wins, you know, before long, you know. So if, uh, if we don't have anything to show, you know, up pops a whale shot and off Mark goes about something. So uh, there's some familiarity. Like it or not, you know, some people people enjoy that.
0: But what are you going to do if there are no trade wins this year? I mean, that's one less thing to talk about.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to talk about, um, you know, just the difference in, in the holes. The ones that are going to become really hard now, you don't ever even think about it. the seventh hole for example which is a sharp dog leg right 500 yard plus par four over on the front nine uh in a, in a little bit of a south wind or when it's just coming off the water a little bit that hole becomes a beast uh and uh and that's really going to change that hole and then two holes later at number nine um you're going to have some players, I would think, in these situations that might hit an iron off the 19th. Wow. Because the fairway falls off, uh, and you can very easily, in these conditions, drive it all the way through the fairway and get on the downslope. So, um, you know, the direction of the wind, even if it's, if it's only 5 or 10 miles an hour, it's going to change everything. And from what we're seeing in the weather report, we're going to see three or four different wind directions over the four days.
0: Yeah, yeah and if, if- – I'm visualizing this correctly. You're talking about wind at the back or maybe out of the southwest on number nine, and that's why they would pull an iron there.
1: That's correct. So then think about what the opening tee shot would be like. Uh, If you come off that opening tee shot and hit a little bit of a weak fade, let's say, uh, with the wind coming from the left, you're going to end up, and, and if the ground is soft out there, you could end up with, 240 or 250 for a second shot into that green which yeah. is a pretty scary thought. Uh so it, it, the course will play totally different I think this week than we've seen it and uh I you know I was up there most of the day today I was quite surprised at how many guys were really grinding on a Monday morning to try and figure out you know how, how they were going to play it. They were playing a number of different tee shots off each tee to try to find positions that they could end up in depending on the win
0: very interesting with that said prediction time who do you like this week
1: (laughs) well I just told you that you can't win if you don't beat Thomas and Shopley now that's pretty profound to say that because obviously you have to beat him Um, I kind of like Xander Shopley this week again um, I don't know I just I'm watching him mature into just an unbelievable player, just a, a combination of power and finesse that is beyond belief to me. Um, I I could give you fifteen names, but uh, I don't know. It, it would warm my heart to see Jordan Speed come back and and win this thing. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel kind of a. I think there's a feel good story this year. I'm not sure exactly which one it is, but I think there's a good one. Ron would be a feel good story too.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Jordan cuz that that really would be. He's such a great guy and he's put up with so much over the past few years. Obviously got the win last year and that's why he's back. But that that would be pretty special, wouldn't it? It would
1: and you know when I think about Jordan, and, and I've gotten to know him pretty well over the years. A lot of it because of him coming out here and spending so much time here. Um, when you take a look at that valley that he was in, you know, and that was a, it was what, a three-year valley? It was pretty pretty prolonged valley. It wasn't just a, a sharp, steep one that, you know, w- was was narrow. It was a deep valley and a wide one. Um, he never really complained. Yeah. yeah, he complained to Michael Greller out there. Yes, he complained to Cameron McCormick on the Uh, you know, on the practice tee, but he owned his misery. And uh, I really liked that about him. And, and, um, I I didn't hear him try to blame it on somebody else. And there are not a lot of players that would have stuck with that coach. And there are not a lot of players that would have stuck with that caddy, right or wrong. You know, guys, guys tend to try to find other reasons than looking in the mirror as to their problems. And, um, I really enjoy that about Jordan Speed. He, he owned his uh, valley that he
0: was in. He sure did. And, you know, speaking of caddies, too, we talk about Phil coming back for the first time in over 20 years. Bones is back, too, with JT, <laughs> right? I saw,
1: I saw Bones, uh, you know, and, and I just, I look at that guy, I have so much respect <laughs> for him. Uh, and I, I don't feel bad for him anymore. He had to take such a big pay cut to go to work for NBC, that now, <laughs> now he's back where he belongs. Back making the money that he's used to.
0: <laughs> Tell us about what you've got on your plate. We see you here every year. We love catching up with you. And uh, I know you you signed a new contract, I think, what, last year. What's your, what's your plate look like uh, the next few months?
1: You know, it's going to kind of be uh, a little more condensed than what we've seen in the past. I have not worked since the Ryder Cup which was just fine with me because I thought that was one of the great sporting events I'd ever seen. I just, I, I loved every aspect of it and just thought it was phenomenal. So I was able to, to soak all that in for a few months, but more and more, you're going to see me off kind of in the, in the fall and, and give me a little bit of an off season here toward the end of my career. And then I'm going to be real busy. So I'll, I'll work about 15 weeks this year, but the majority of it will be Uh, you know, early in the year here in Hawaii. But then once the Florida swing starts, I'll go pretty hard, uh, you know, in March through, let's say, August, and then uh, do a President's Cup in in September and then take the winter off and come back to Maui.
0: Now, are you doing studio for Golf Channel? Because I know you did some of that last year.
1: Yeah, I'm doing more of that now, um, you know, as, as I sort of get on in the years, I think uh, well, a couple things. I'm probably not afraid to say some of the stuff that I was earlier in my <laughs> career. So I'm, I'm better in the studio. But, um, you know, they, there is so much studio golf now, uh, especially around the major championships that um, I, and I'm fine with that. You know, I did not go. I did not work on the course at last year's U.S. Open. I was doing live from the U.S. Open and that was absolutely fine with me. Um, and it was the same thing at the Ryder Cup. The only thing about the Ryder Cup was the show started at 5 a.m., which meant we had to be out there at 3, which was a 1.30 wake-up call. Uh, but you know what? It was the Ryder Cup, so who's going to complain, really? I, I like the studio stuff. I will be in um, Connecticut, um, in Stanford, where the NBC Golf Val- channel studios are now. I'll be in there probably six or seven weeks this year. And at the majors now, you're going to see me um, doing the live from work in the studio as opposed to being out on the course doing the live golf.
0: Well, it's a great gig, right? It is. It is. Hope I don't screw it up here at the end, right? Hey, while I have you, too, I want to give a big shout out to our mutual friends at Sentry Insurance. It's going to be a huge year for them. Obviously, it kicks off here with uh, the Tournament of Champions presented by Sentry Insurance. Uh, They're opening the inn at Century World here this year uh, after some delays due to COVID, the fact that they couldn't even get furniture in this place. And so that opens this year. It's a huge year for Century, And, you know, they do so much in the Maui community to support this event. So it's much more than just, you know, a sponsorship. I mean, they really have, uh, it's kind of like adopted Maui, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they really have. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about Maui first and then, and then a little bit about Stephen's point, but you know, a lot of times a sponsor will go into a, a community and be good citizens and, you know, they'll come once one week a year and bring the circus to town and then leave Sentry has really become a part of this Maui community and they've become friends uh, with all of us here. And and we just absolutely love them. They're a small town organization uh, and they are just a real high quality organization. I feel kind of badly that they weren't able to bring uh, an entire contingent of guests and people out here again because of the COVID, but um, you know a, a lot of them will be able to come. Uh, but, you know, when, when I go to Stevens Point, Wisconsin, I get a feeling, Brian, that I, I really have never had at any other sponsor's headquarters. They they don't even seem like a professional uh, sports sponsor to me. It seems like I'm going into, uh, you know, a family, little community family that just happens to find golf as a good way, you know, to deliver their message. And, um, the the things that are going on at Century World are just incredible. Uh, I have not seen the course since it's been uh, refurbished. Of course, U.S. Senior Open is coming to Stevens Point in a couple of years, and that's going to be phenomenal. And uh, I can promise you that in at Century World is going to be top of the line. And uh, it's great. If you think about Century World, that was like the beginning of Wisconsin you know, big time destination golf. There was no black wolf run and Aaron Hills and sand Hills and uh, all that kind of stuff. Century world basically led the way. And I think it's great now that they're kind of getting their due. They're back in the mix uh, really. And, and part of that uh, destination Wisconsin's become one of the great states for destination golf anywhere in America.
0: No doubt about that. I mean, you know, we were there for the Ryder cup. We get off the plane, our first stop is PJ's at Century World for cheese curds and everything Wisconsin, right? Before before you go anyplace else, and it was great to see. I mean, we, we looked at the course. Obviously, it wasn't open, but it's, I mean, you mentioned some pretty exciting stuff coming up there, and um, it really is the, you I know, mean, from a heartland perspective, the epicenter of golf, and it did start there, and, and and this company's been behind it, so it's great to see them get the recognition they deserve with this tournament, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. I I, in a a way, there's a couple of things that are too bad uh, about the way destination golf is going, and I think your your parkland hardland thought is one of them. You know, it seems like all the high profile destinations now have to be on some water somewhere. You know, a coast somewhere. I I don't necessarily think um, that has to be the case at all. I I really think um, parkland golf has its place in the world of championship golf uh and and we just don't see that much of it anymore um and i think century world is really going to turn people's eyes and head uh, when they see it for this u.s senior open um some of the shot values out there i I, in a way i think it's kind of too bad the flower hole number 16 is the most famous hole and that's the one you see all the pictures of um but in in a small way it kind of takes away a little bit from the other 17 holes which are really quality golf holes and Uh, If you get a chance, folks, if you are anywhere in that Wisconsin area and have a chance to go to Century World, um, uh, once they get back reopened and ready to go, which they will in spring, um, it is a spectacular place and a great test of golf.
0: And there is water there, Rolf. I can confirm that there's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there, there's a really big lake there. I was some balls in there. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's they've got some water there so not go, an, go n- see
1: Danny Rainbow he can fix you <laughs> up
0: bro. not an ocean but a plenty of H2O so all right well my friend uh, we'll look forward to watching you throughout the week and this weekend at the century tournament of champions and uh, we appreciate you taking time out every year to to share this with us and everybody across the country best of luck and safe travels all right take care thanks enjoyed it well, thanks again to Mark Rolfing for joining us. And you can, of course, catch his commentary from the Century Tournament of Champions throughout the weekend on Golf Channel and NBC. Okay, next up, we're going to island hop over to the Big Island and Hualalai, where we'll see the PGA Tour champions in a couple weeks. But this time, we're on the Big Island to check out the Hualalai Golf Halle with Brady Riggs. And catch up with him next time on Slice. Thanks for downloading Slice, a presentation of Feedback Media. All rights reserved. Full disclosure, our legal department doesn't allow mulligans.